All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the 20 Mile Podcast. We're here today with your hosts, myself, Mike Williams, and Gabriel Barsante. And again, we're super stoked to be here with another entrepreneur and to hear their founder, March. Today, we're here with Sean Jameson. Quite a long title. He's currently Leader of Sales and Operations at Freshworks Studio. He was also a co-founder of Silk Start and previously worked at Abe Books. I'm sure we'll dig a little bit into some of the history there as well. The team at Freshworks is 56, so quite a big team for a Victoria company. I know there's a lot of activity happening in Freshworks, so that's great. Sean was originally born in Alberta. He didn't specify where, so we won't get into it. He was also raised in Vancouver. Currently lives in Victoria, BC with his wife and two kids, a boy and a girl, which they call the Million Dollar Family, Mm -hmm. probably because it costs at least that much. (laughs) So Sean started out in the sciences and dropped out because he wanted to get a job and headed into business. Uh, When Sean's not Freshworks or working on business execution, he's spending time playing sports, says he loves lots of different sports. Absolutely. Construction, which I think is really interesting because I've been following him on Instagram and he's been building his own vacation home and is on to his second one despite not really having a background at all, which I'm super impressed by. Sean's superpower, I would say it's uh, his hair. He's got some of the best hair in probably Victoria, but definitely in the Victoria tech scene. When we talked about his superpower, he is more of an opportunity executioner, if we can kind of coin that term. He builds on top of ideas and helps Uh, execute and kind of go, knows where to go next when an idea is presented, Mm -hmm. which is a valuable skill. So now we'll hand it off to Gabe. Welcome, Sean. Thank you. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, Yeah, happy to be here. So can we start by telling us a little bit about Silk Start and how you got started? (laughs) Silk Start and how I got started, yeah. So when I moved to Vancouver, or to Victoria, uh, I got a job at Eight Books. It was sort of like a, still an early stage e-commerce company and I ended up spending 10 years of my life there. We were bought by Amazon, so four years as part of Amazon. The challenge after the acquisition and after think, you know, the excitement had sort of faded away is that we were now a subsidiary of a very large company. And the you know what I enjoyed most of being part of an early stage company was starting to fade. And so I really wanted to get back into another early stage business or found my own company. And so I actually left Abe. I took a year off to hang out with my family while I figured out what I wanted to do. And I came up with an idea and I was looking for a co-founder and I started pitching that idea to investors. And in that process, a couple of those investors started suggesting that I actually run some of their portfolio companies uh, as opposed to pursuing my startup idea. And that is where Silkstart came from. So I didn't found the company, I took over the company, I rebooted the business, and yeah, anyway, so that was kind of the start of how I got into Silk Start. Okay. And you have a pretty, a very interesting story in the sense that you've either started or joined early stage companies and, and exited, uh, at least three of them that we were talking about before recording. Yes. So can you walk us through from when you started your career and to where you are today? Yeah, clearly I'm doing something wrong because I've <laughs> had three exits and I'm still working. <laughs> uh, true. That's a true story. So I started at Abe, and a few years into my career there, there was a company called Phil's that was basically a a business that helped people sell media, books, movies, video games, DVDs, all that sort of stuff on multiple marketplaces, so Amazon, eBay, Abe. And I actually quit Abe to join Phil's because I saw an interesting opportunity there. Phil's was, was then subsequently acquired by Abe Books, so I was 
out of Abe in the same building, like still in Abe Books, then back in Abe, but running Phil's as a mm-hmm. subsidiary of Abe Books. And then for the next few years, I kind of grew Phil's as a business while taking on additional operational responsibility within Abe Books. And then there was actually a third company called Chris Lens that I ran as part of Abe that we acquired. And then we were bought by Amazon in 2008. And so I stayed on for four years post-acquisition running all of those businesses and then left and joined Silkstart. And after rebooting the company, we raised a small round. We grew the business over four and a half years and sold it last May. And I was then thinking about what to do next. And uh, I found my way to the Freshworks guys and it seemed like an interesting high growth business with two really sort of relentless, tenacious founders that wanted to build a big meaningful company in Victoria. And so I decided to to join them. Okay. And during those four years you decided to Silkstart? And yep, just over four years. And you guys, you know, had effort to raise money, and you, yep. you touched on uh, all these different parts of the business. Yeah. Can you walk us through uh, from your time there, uh, your how it went when you raised money? Yeah. Um, as well as you as an operator inside the business. In terms of like how it felt, or what the what oh. the highlights and lowlights were, yeah. or <laughs> all of the in between. That's right. Okay. So I think an important thing to note is that when I left Abe. I had a really high degree of confidence that I could start a startup, build a business, and sell that business. And when I got into it, I very quickly realized that it was a much more difficult situation than I had envisioned, and a much more stressful one, to be honest. Like, I dealt with stress, I'd worked long hours, but I was an employee in a profitable company, and it was just really fundamentally different. To now be in a business where, like, cash was an issue, building a team from nothing was an issue. Did you come in as a CEO when you came in? Yes. Yeah. I think I really underestimated how stressful that was um, and very quickly was like, oh, I, I actually don't know if I'm up for this challenge. And so I think I'd had enough of a track record working places that I knew I could do it. Mm-hmm. I just needed to figure out how to do it. And so, you know, right from the beginning, if I'm totally honest, as we took over the business, I needed to raise some capital. And in my mind, I was like, we can't raise any capital. There's no way we're going to raise any money for this business. But then the other side of me was like, well, you've got to raise some money for this Mm -hmm. business because you see the opportunity. And so you kind of compartmentalize those two things. And so I set to work raising money for the business. And can you just give us a brief overview of what Silkstart does? Sure. So yeah, yeah. so Silkstart is a a business-to-business software-as-a-service platform for member-based organizations. So specifically professional associations, Mm -hmm. any association that needs to collect member dues, but that also has events, does donations, sponsorships, and in a simplistic explanation, it's kind of a CRM and a CMS mm-hmm. for those organizations. So you come in, you see the business, you realize you need cash and you need to raise money to make this work. Yeah. You approach the, was it the angels in town here at the time? So Silkstart, because it existed as a business, there were a couple of angels involved. Um, and the challenge is that they didn't see that the founders that they had backed were the people that could take the business to the next stage and grow it, and so the money had kind of run out. They were willing to reinvest a small amount of money to see if I could prove the model, and so we raised a very small amount of money to give me six months to come in, and keep in mind that this is founding teams exiting in Vancouver, hiring a new team from scratch here in Victoria, don't know the industry, don't know the business, I've got six months of runway, I've got to hire a brand new team, I've got to take over someone else's early stage product, Mm -hmm. I've got to find customers, and I've got to prove that the business works. 
And so it was tough, but we did that in that time frame, and that allowed us to raise a small seed round, and that allowed us to kind of proceed from there. Okay. And if, when you got there, to, to raise that seed round, when you're a new person comes to the business, and you don't know the industry, yeah. you just learn the business, yeah. do you find that the investors, they like, what do you think made them trust you with their with their investment and, and bring that? It's a, yeah, it's a good question. I was talking to an entrepreneur like today, earlier today, about he was trying to raise a round and trying to think about how best to do that. And like for me, that what I had going for me was a, a track record of employment in places mm -hmm. that one of the investors was deeply familiar with. And so that gave him the trust to, to mm -hmm. choose to write a check. And the other two investors trusted that that one investor was making the right choice. And so that one person, I think, knew me well enough to know that it was a worthwhile bet. In addition, I think that it's not that angel investment is charity or philanthropy, mm -hmm. but he really wanted to see me yeah. be a successful entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And so his support of me on my entrepreneurial journey was part of the reason, I'm sure, why he was willing to back me. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of how we, how we sort of set to work. And he was a well enough known investor in town that he could kind of act as the lead and made it much easier to pull the rest of the round together. Did you get the sense, like, cause it sounds, kind of sounds like you're talking about they invested in you, right? Mm -hmm. And I haven't personally really raised money, yeah. at least not for my own ventures, but, yeah. you know, people talk about that is that they're really investing in you. The idea is a component of it, yeah. but if they believe in you or they like you or they think you yeah. can do great things. I mean, so to be clear, I investors say, I really like you, but no, mm -hmm. and the no was because of the business model. So you're right and that it is an investment in me, but it doesn't necessarily guarantee that someone's going to write you a check, which I found, you know, it's, it's just, it's got to be the right thing at the right time for the right investor. And so for them, it was like, it was definitely supporting my entrepreneurial journey, but also thinking that the business model made sense. There is one, it was one major part of the puzzle, but still just one part of the puzzle. Yeah. 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 Can you talk a little bit about what it's like to raise money like I think that there's a there's a hey it's like Shark Tank or you and yeah. I both pitched at MetaBridge at the yeah, same yeah, time yeah. and now if you go to MetaBridge they don't do that pitching anymore right and so can you can you talk about what it's really like to, to raise money so I I really enjoy pitching that part I really like like I don't I'm happy to get on stage I don't care if there's 10 people or 10,000 people I really like doing that part of pitching so the like talking on stage about what you're doing, no problem. Uh, the difficult part is getting people from introduction to buy-in to check in the bank and how to like kind of just make that happen in a, in a, in sort of a, an organized way, right? And it, it's, it's tricky, right? Like you can, it's just, you have to get everybody to the table at the same time in order for it to kind of happen because there's a bit of, I'm in, but, I'm waiting for this check and so you know investors will wait as long as they can and so there's just a bunch of dynamics going on there and so it's just a so what I did was I raised a range I did a rolling close I did a few things to try and make it easy on myself and then I also before I chose to raise had to convince myself that it was something to invest in so even though there was a lot of uncertainty around the business for me personally maybe from like an integrity standpoint, didn't feel like I could go to investors and try and raise money unless I thought I had a shot at actually building a business here. So I spent a bunch of time thinking about and reflecting on and deciding if this was a business that I actually thought had a realistic chance. And once I was there, then it was easier for me to be not just convincing, but authentic, I think, in the discussions that I was having with investors. 
and I wasn't ready to have those conversations and I wasn't at that point to be totally clear at the beginning and I was like I need to get myself to that point or I need to not pursue this yeah. and so for me that was that was an important step yeah that seems like such a valuable thing right like if, if you believe in it that's going to come through if I you don't so. yeah. it's going to be pretty transparent and then when they start asking those questions yeah that are going to be you know uncovering things you've got answers yeah. because they're real whether it's a yeah yeah I can do that or no I can't or yeah you know we don't have that yet I think like one of the criticisms of my criticisms I got was that I was almost too honest in the process, <laughs> which is interesting to get as a criticism, right? Like people yeah. would be like, oh, I want to see this crazy growth curve. And I was like, well, that's not the growth curve you're going to see. This is the growth curve you're going to see. And that's kind of where the business went was where I like, it definitely fell short of where I wanted it to be, but it was more in line with what I pitched and what I expected than me just drawing a hockey stick yeah. and yeah. saying that it was a result of magic. What, um, like I know your background is in sales, right? Like you've yeah. done a lot of sales. Yeah. How much did that, how much was, was pitching similar? Or how much did that background really help you? I think it helps a, a ton, right? Because you, yeah, I think it is incredibly helpful. And it's, is it is a similar process though? Like, you know, initial kind of like start a relationship, you know, are there drip campaigns? Yeah. Is so, there a CRM for pitching? Like my strategy for selling can be summarized as never sell. Like don't ever sell or be a salesperson and you can you can close deals and get to the right outcome by never right never doing that. And so I think that being aware of that and I think being aware of like human nature and psychology and like just thinking about where this person that I'm interacting with is at in the conversation. Like if someone if someone's not that interested in what you're doing, you're just wasting your time in my opinion trying to convince them to buy your product or invest in your company or so that's just like a really simple thing, right? That I think some people waste a lot of time with that. And so sure. I probably save time as well by knowing where to spend my time and knowing when to move on. And so you guys raised and you grew the business. Yep. And then it was time to make the decision of what are we going to do here? And yep. you can tell a bit about your, your exit there and then your next steps, how you made the decision to, to join Freshworks afterwards. Yeah. So this is a good one because I've... I don't know if I've ever like publicly told the like why we sold the business story. So I feel like lots of people know it, but if anybody listens to this, a few more people will know it. So we got to a point with the business where things were working well, but it was, wasn't clear that it made sense to invest more capital in the business to grow it further. And because of that, I hadn't set out to build a small business. I'd set out to build a big business. And so it was a question mark for me as to whether or not it made, wasn't a question mark. It was clear that I didn't, it didn't make sense for me to stay in the business mm -hmm. long term, but it was a small viable business. Right. And so I got to a point where I was ready to come back to my board and say, there's three options. One option is we can put some more capital into the business and try and grow faster. I can exit and we can just run a small business and we can get dividends and get our money back and you know make money over time. Or three, we can sell the business. Uh, and, the, and the board had a, had a really awesome question for me. They said, okay, we trust you and we'd like to write you a check. The check is for, let's just say for argument's sake, $2 million. It's just a check for $2 million. Are we putting it into Silkstart or are we putting it into your next business? And it was a super surprising and interesting question. And without much hesitation, I said, it's not Silkstart, it's my next business. Like I just, if I had, $2 million to do whatever I wanted in terms of build a business. This wasn't the, the place to put it. And it made it easier for me to answer what was kind of a difficult question mm -hmm. at the time. So that left two things, sell it or me exit. And so that became obvious, try and sell it. If you can't sell it, then 
exiting the business and just running it, you know, from the board actually made sense. So at the at the core of that decision was was your interest level in in where the business was going, and it just wasn't. It didn't have a long term sort of. Yeah. So like I mean, w we had an exit, which was great. Things worked out in the end, but I definitely had every intention to build a much bigger, much more successful company, right? So it's it's kind of interesting to feel have mixed feelings about a successful outcome. Like I'm happy that I went through all of that, but it was kind of a you know it was a mediocre outcome. Right. And what does that left you with? Like, what do you feel? You know, so I mean, so that like when I left Abe, I kind of had to take a year off to recover from my time at Abe. Like I was really, 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 really burnt out. And I needed to, you know, there was a bunch of things that were important that had taken a backseat mm -hmm. in my life. And when I left Silkstart, I actually didn't feel that way. I'd run it differently. So while it wasn't a, uh, a successful business, I was a much healthier person, right? mentally, physically, all of that sort of stuff. And so I actually felt like I've got all of this energy that I wanted to put into building a big business. Let's go and find somewhere where I can help do that. Right. So how did you... How did you how did you manage that? You said you were much healthier mentally, physically. How what was different, and, and, and how did you manage that? I mean, one thing was I was in charge, and that was different. So, um, I don't mind working ridiculously hard, but on my own terms, and so I had more autonomy around when I worked. And as someone who had kids and had interests, I was able to have a really flexible schedule. And so I still worked long hours because I was an entrepreneur and I was trying to build a business, but to a greater degree than any other time in my life, it was on my own terms, and that worked super well. Um, at Abe, I didn't really have that, right? Like when there was deadlines or things needed to happen or someone was asking me to do things, and I was like, I'm too stretched, I can't do that. I just had to figure out how to make it happen. And so the sacrifice was my personal life. And so it was, I think that was like a really, for me that was, the things that I did at Silkstart were building the type of company that I wanted to run and that I would want to work in were, were I an employee in a tech company anywhere, right? And so I did all of the things that that I thought were the right things to do, and some of which were things that Abe did, and some of which were things Abe didn't do. Mm -hmm. um, and it was, you know, we had an awesome team. I hired a team that I, you know, could have worked in other places in town. We didn't have the biggest budgets. We didn't have the coolest company. And people stayed, and people enjoyed what they did. I'm still friends with all of those people today. Like, it was an awesome experience. So from the get-go, sounds like, as you mentioned, the, the values and culture of the company was something that's very important to you as you're building this out, especially after your past experiences. Um, can you tell us a bit how you, being an executioner of, of businesses, how yeah. you put that into action when you started to start? Like a, a weird thing that I've observed is Phil's the subsidiary I ran at Abe and Silkstart had really, really hardworking employees that like stayed late, put in extra hours, did whatever they needed to do, but because they had that same autonomy that I yeah. wanted for myself, were willing to do it. And I feel like that was a, a part of the equation. Mm -hmm. I think I I value and take a sincere interest in people. I think that's super important. I feel like I try to be clear about where we're going and why and how we're getting there. I think that's super important. Um, I see people as, you know, everybody has their own... Um, kind of career path and what's important to them and how they like to see themselves growing and progressing and understanding that and trying to align what I what they're able to do in the job as much as possible creates really good alignment. And so I think that was super important. I think we were all very like, you know, there was hierarchy within our company, but we, everyone was treated equally. I think that was super important. So you already um, came in with that clarity. 
of, of these things, right? Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think it was it was a super like it was a, a really strong team. We were super collaborative. We got a lot of stuff done, uh, and I think people like it was tough. Don't get me wrong. There was lots of there was lots of tough, um, but I think overall people would probably look really fondly on their time there, which is cool. I'm yeah, glad. like. As much as it was like an okay outcome, I think it was a great working experience for the most part mm -hmm. uh, for the people that work there. Cool. Yeah. So you left Silk Start, and then what made you, what drew you towards Freshworks and joining them as in sales and operation? So it's a good question. It's not what I was really expecting to do. Uh, I wasn't totally sure what I was expecting to do. Um, what drew me to Freshworks was, I think, I respected the founders mm -hmm. immediately. I think they have, they're smart, they've got good judgment, they're very tenacious, they're very hardworking, and I think I connected with them on a personal level, and I wanted to help them on their entrepreneurial journey. So it's like, I, I get it, I get what you're trying to do. You can't do it alone. You need people to help with that. I can help with that. And so that was kind of the first thing. They have an interest in building a, a significant company in Victoria so there's no we're not looking for an early exit they're very patient with that and so I liked the idea of building a, a meaningful company in Victoria they've got a really really young team for the most part but they're very smart people and culturally in terms of like the team I think they're like really really great people as well and so it seemed like a really interesting place where they're growing really fast, they're seeing lots of success, lots of things are working, but in order to become a much bigger business than they are today, it was clear that some things needed to evolve or change, mm -hmm. and I felt like I could help with that. When, when you say meaningful company, do you mean size-wise, revenue-wise, or is there something, like a purpose behind that? Like, is there a bigger meaning to the company? What is that? Yeah, yeah it's, a good, it's a really good question. So, it's not, it's less to do with the size. Like, I think it's, it's about creating a great place to work. And I'm not saying it's perfect at Freshworks today, but I think having an intention of creating a great place to work is important. To some degree, they don't shy away from tough decisions, but they do treat the company to some degree like a family. The, you know, like loyalty is a really important attribute there, and if people are loyal to the company, the company will be, will be loyal to them. And so it's a really good sort of reciprocal relationship in that sense. So that's kind of more, I think, what I was getting at when I when I uh, when I said meaningful. Mm -hmm. And throughout the years, uh, what's been your biggest challenge? Do you find as an entrepreneur or as a, as a leader in business? What has been my biggest challenge? That's <laughs> a good question. I think it's just always having the amount of energy that I feel like I need to have in order to do my job. That's hard. And so for me, like for me, that's part of, like I'm, I'm just interested in sports, but being physically active gives me the strength to, to be able to like, you know, work extra hard at my job. And so I think that's part of it. For me, having like a life is super important to me. And so having that balance is super important. Yeah, those are the biggest ones. How do you manage that in your day-to-day? -day yeah, I think a better question is, do I manage that <laughs> from day-to-day? -day? So I think just being in Victoria alone is, like I'm from Vancouver and I live here, and just by reducing my commute, I already mm -hmm. put myself in a different position to a lot of big cities, right? I'm not spending a ton of time commuting, so I can put that into 
working a bit more, plus spending more time with my family. So I think the environment, like being in mm -hmm. Victoria, I live close to downtown, I walk or bike to work. So I think that's part of it as well. How else do I balance it? I try to turn off on the weekends. It's hard to do, and I'm not saying that I do that, but I do try and... Someone asked me about this, like when things come in over the weekend, I will pay attention to them, but I will not respond to them. And I respond to them on Sunday nights. So that's mm -hmm. just how I work. The reason I respond to them on Sunday nights is so it's in your inbox on Monday morning. If you're on Eastern time, it's in your inbox at the right time on Monday morning, but it hasn't messed up my Saturday or my Sunday morning. So I, it still feels like I'm responding on the weekend, which is kind of going above and beyond, but I haven't like impacted my personal time. So I, I've created some rules like that, I guess, around, um, you know, there's people that are like more around compartmentalizing work and personal and then there's integrators, right? Where it's just lots of both. I'm a little bit more of, I like a little bit of compartmentalization. And then another one is I like to take a break. Like I really, I really do like to have a holiday where I, again, I'm not great at it. So I don't actually turn my phone off for a week if I go on holiday, but I will check it once per day at a specific time of day and that will be it for the day. And so it's not perfect. It would be great if I just didn't have to check it at all, but at least it's like at a point where I feel like I'm, I'm getting that like time to kind of, to recharge. Yeah. Cool. So, you know, really appreciate you sharing your, your story and uh, going deep into uh, a lot of the details. If you had to do this journey all over again today, what would you change? Like what stands out as something you do differently? So as an entrepreneur, one of the things I lacked was a co-founder or co-founders. So that's one thing. If I was to do it again, I would want to have a couple of people or a group of people uh, kind of all on board for the same thing. So that's one thing that I would do differently. I think the second one, the missing piece for Silkstart is that I wasn't the entrepreneur that was passionate enough about the idea to like envision and create the thing. Mm -hmm. For me, I was an operator and I took over a business and I saw an opportunity to grow a business. But I think that's an important ingredient in becoming a like a founder of a business is like, this is the thing that regardless of all of the obstacles in your way that you just are going to find your way to realizing. And so that was a second one that I would say was, was missing for me. Yeah, I don't know if there's anything. Those are those are probably the two yeah, biggies. That's, that's, that's pretty good. It certainly yeah. it sounds like you know having the passion behind it yeah. and just like drive yeah. through whatever yeah. step of the way. Yeah, it's. I mean, it was a one that was a question when I was that we actually talked about when we raised money. Is is that going to be an issue? And we were actually aware of it when we even when we raised the seed round that it wasn't my wasn't my right. baby in that yeah. sense. But for me, I transferred that to my passion was I'm building a team from scratch, and I really like mm -hmm. the idea of building and developing people teams and so that was the thing that kind of resonated most with me that's awesome that's really you know it's, it's so important to have you know uh, a purpose behind what you do and yeah. you know so, sometimes these companies are kind of a vessel or a way to to do really great things you know make a great place for people to work and yeah be around great people yep cool well i really appreciate you sean uh thanks for sharing your story and like I said, going deep and, and really getting into some of the details and I'm sure people will tune in to hear more about Silkstart and you know what's happening with Freshworks. So thanks to our listeners. Definitely check out our other episodes on Apple and Google Podcasts and check us out on the web at 20mile.co or follow us at 20mileco on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram. And until then, keep marching on.